Welcome to Health Now from WebMD. I'm your host, Carrie Gann. This is our last show in 2019. We're so glad you've tuned in this year. If you've missed any of our episodes, be sure to check them out. We've had some great discussions about what opioid dependence is really like and how to thrive when you have depression. On a lighter note, you can listen to our conversations about living by self-help books and creating your own happiness. And while you're browsing, please subscribe to our show and take a moment to rate and review Health Now in your podcast app so that other people can find us too. Thank you so much. All right, let's start the show. Spending time at the hospital is never high on anyone's list, but the Cleveland Clinic is aiming to make the experience a little more pleasant in its locations in Ohio, Florida, Nevada, and Toronto. From art on the walls to performances in the halls, the hospital's Arts and Medicine Institute aims to tap into the healing power of art to benefit patients, visitors, the public, and hospital staff alike. Joining us today to talk about the project are Executive Director Joanne Cohen and Medical Director Francois Betou. Thanks to both of you for joining us, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So first, um, can you tell us about the concept of the arts as part of a healing environment in a medical center, and how that led to the creation of the Arts and Medicine Institute at the Cleveland Clinic? Well, I, I would say that the concept of the, the power of healing of the arts is, is very ancient. I mean, we could you know, trace it back probably to ancient Greece. More specifically, in the modern times, I think that there have been worldwide efforts to actually integrate the arts in the healthcare environment. It's probably really started in a more organized fashion after the world wars, and now it seems to have gained a lot of momentum. You know, the idea is, as John will probably say more about, and specifically about the art program was to integrate visual arts into the fabric, into the very buildings uh, that people came to for their care so that it could be part of the healing process. And I would say it's also healing and promotes wellness among the caregivers uh, who work in these buildings. And of course, the families um, and all of our visitors. We set out to change the paradigm of what art in the healthcare setting might be like. And so it was really Dr. Toby Cosgrove, who was the visionary at the time. When he became CEO in 2005, he was really interested in elevating the arts and architecture to be in keeping with the high standards of all the rest of what we do at Cleveland Clinic. Since there had been an interest in the arts since the clinic's inception in the 20s, he wanted to create some kind of cohesive program. And we determined that the way to do that was really to create an in-house visual art program so that you couldn't just suddenly put all this, you know, conceivably um, challenging artwork on the walls and just walk away and that it had to really become embedded within the fabric of the organization and it had to be supported by education and programming to make it really a holistic approach. So the art infused all of our facilities and really was thought of as not an afterthought, but that we would think about it, especially it was an opportunity then when there were new buildings going on. We were building our new Heart and Vascular Institute, and it was an opportunity to think with architects early on before a building was going up on how the art could activate and be integrated within those facilities. And that's really how it, how it started. Obviously, there, there has been research devoted to the effects that art can have on patients when they are healing. What has been documented so far? So there are 
obviously diverse aspects of the art, but if, if we focus a little bit on visual arts to begin with, there's been a, I've discovered actually through reviewing the literature some diverging opinions about what kind of art can actually be soothing and healing in a hospital environment. So there's been a tradition saying that uh, landscape art should be the exclusive art displayed or most of the art displayed in the hospital because you know, it makes people think of the outside world and you know it's typically very uplifting. Uh, but there's uh, now a new current, uh, and, and the Cleveland Clinic is part of it, and certainly Joan can speak more to that, uh, that wants to integrate modern art uh, into the hospital environment. And there's a growing body of research showing that actually carefully chosen modern art can also be very healing and actually bring, obviously, more diverse stimuli to the patients and their families. Now, of course, there's research on other forms of art, such as what we call the therapeutic arts, music therapy, art therapy, dance and movement therapy. There's also theater therapy, and you can also use poetry. So there's a wide array. And this research has been going on for decades and is laying really a foundation for using these arts as therapeutic interventions. Many, if not most, of the therapists who uh, are trained to uh, perform these therapeutic arts interventions also have psychology and or counseling degrees, which uh, allows them to really go deep into using the art in the for individual interaction to really promote healing from deep within the individual. Basically, we're trying to corral the emotions and hopefully positive emotions in, in a time of stress, in a time of, in a time of pain, in a time of uncertainty about the future, so that the art can help bring, out, bring about a positive take or a positive energy so that uh, really people can participate in their own healing with the help of, of the arts. Right. So it's not only about creating a beautiful, peaceful environment by artwork that visitors can see, but also about how they can participate in art and through that affect their own healing process. I would agree. This is all about the person. This is all about engaging the person. And actually, sometimes, as we all may have experienced, when you're all about your pain and stress, and, you know, having questions about what's going to happen next. Um, I know that I may just go past a work of art and not even acknowledge it. And so there is a, a very, very intense effort within the Cleveland Clinic to actually engage people. So it could be through docent tours, through virtual tours, uh, through making the art available on people's devices so that it can be used also in the very hospital rooms. But some people actually never get to leave their room until they are discharged from the hospital. So engaging people is very important and creating opportunities for live interactions. Uh, it could be as part of a group. It could be individually. could be with a therapist. So there are many opportunities. It's not just about bringing the artist. It's about engaging people uh, with it. Absolutely. I'm so really found that art is not one-stop shop, that what works for one person might be completely different for another. And so that's sort of the basis of our collecting philosophy in that we want an eclectic collection. And we've done research and looked at the impact of having an eclectic collection on the viewer and patient experience. And we really set out to debunk theories about what art, that landscape art is best for patients and actually 
there's a, a whole host of other artworks that really can stimulate and work, and that a intellectual and emotional stimulation is a big part of how that functions. Right. Um, and we've looked at the impact of art on patients' mood, comfort, stress, and overall satisfaction, and that it's really the strength of our diversity of the high-quality, uh, thoughtfully curated, patient-centered curatorial practice that helps in accomplishing that goal. Tell us a little bit more about the scope of the collection. What do visitors, what are they seeing when they walk into these, uh, to your facilities? What are the, the variety of art that you all have on display? Well, we have about 38 million square feet of white walls. So the art is installed and displayed throughout our facilities. At this point, we're nearing 7,000 artworks in the collection. Wow. And we probably have more than 15,000 fine art posters as well and almost 40 site-specific commissions throughout the facility. So people can experience all sorts of art throughout their journey. So for instance, every exam room has a, has a fine art poster. Every patient room either has a piece of original artwork or a poster. Many of our newer buildings have site-specific artworks where we really worked um, you know, with architects maybe two or three years before a building comes to fruition to think about the best ways to activate our different challenging spaces so that the art really feels like it's integral as opposed to an afterthought. And that's also considering things like natural light, the proper lighting, etc. And we collect art from all different media. So we have paintings, photography, works on paper, sculpture, really runs the gamut, although I'll say the majority of the works are framed works just because we're often high traffic areas with a, a lot of things going on. So we really have to think about being good stewards of the artwork and putting the appropriate pieces in the appropriate place. And at the same time, thinking about the right patient demographics. So what might work for a geriatric facility might be completely different from a pediatric outpatient versus our Heart and Vascular Institute, where we have some of our most acute patients who might be there for three or four months undergoing a transplant and their family's there for a long time and we want to encourage them to get out of bed as they get well and take walks every day and experience new things in the, in the corridors, for instance. Wow, that's a lot of planning that goes into all this, the placement of the appropriate artwork. How do you go about finding artists to work with or new artworks to include? Are there specific local artists that you work with or are there choices tailored to the different locations? Great question. We're always thinking about the different locations and the patient demographics, but we're looking for artwork from artists worldwide. So we have art from artists from over 70 countries, and I think at this point we have artwork from artists from over 46 states in the U.S., and 18% of the artists in our collection have some ties to Ohio. So we're often thinking about how to support the local arts community and artists from the region. We have a rotating exhibition space, which gives us a great opportunity to showcase our local talent and also bring in those artists so they can do arts programming and speak to our audiences and cross-pollinate and work with other departments in that programming as well. And we have a lot of artists sort of who send us work unsolicited to look at, but we deal with galleries worldwide. We'll go to a lot of international art fairs to look for work. If we are dealing with a specific facility, whether it's in Florida, let's say in our facility in Weston outside of Fort Lauderdale, or we have a large Cleveland clinic in Abu Dhabi, or we're opening in London, or our Center for Brain Health in Las Vegas, we think, you know, we try and reach into those communities and look for artists from that region that will often really resonate, help create a sense of place, and have nice touch points within those 
regional facilities. And we also um, have quite a lot of work that we acquire through donation. So we have a lot of wonderful patients who turn into grateful patients who like to um, either support our arts initiatives or gift us particular artworks that meet our mission. So that's another way that the collection grows. What are some of your favorite pieces of art in the collection? There's so many, it's hard to single some out. I would say some of the ones that to me are most memorable are those actual commissions where you really get to spend a lot of time working with an artist as they problem solve and think things through. So sometimes they might be working on a project for two years. So you really get to understand the artistic process and they get to understand our organization and suddenly the the light bulb goes off and the sparks fly and they come up with something magical. There are a lot to list. Spencer Finch is an artist we worked with who created eight light boxes for our new Tossic Cancer Center. And that was a, a fairly long and involved project, and it was wonderful to really see that come to fruition. On the other hand, we recently worked with the Saul LeWitt Foundation, where we have a new health education campus and a new um, Foster and Partners building, a lot of white, beautiful walls that beckon with great light. And we didn't necessarily have the budget commensurate with the rest of the building, so the LeWitt Foundation offered to loan us two monumental Saul LeWitt wall drawings for um, a 25-year loan. So that was a unique and wonderful opportunity. They usually mostly do that with museums. So to be able to have that on our campus and have all these young students get to experience that every day is pretty unique. Can you tell us about the overall concept or, or give us a thumbnail description of the program, not only the, the art aspect, but also the, the therapy aspect of it as well? Totally. So the art therapy really tries to involve people in actually creating art for a therapeutic purpose. So it's going beyond the seeing the art and engaging with it, it's really creating. And it could be in a group environment or one-on-one, and that is used to trigger positive emotions. But also there's been a lot of literature about how being engaged in creating art really has a profound healing power. And so this happens throughout the hospital in inpatient areas, in outpatient areas, with particular intensity in the Cancer Institute, uh, where we've had wonderful testimonials from people. And actually, um, there's an interesting story about a patient who uh, was himself an artist and wanted to partake in the art around the the Cleveland Clinic. And so his family started posting his art, you know, in some areas around the Cancer Institute. And that was taken up by the art program and led to a professionally curated patient art show where we could feature the stories. Unfortunately, this patient passed away, but his legacy could really be carried on through this exhibit. We also have a performing arts program. So in this performing arts program, we don't yet invite patients and their families to perform. But there's, every day there are performances happening all around our system to expose people to mostly music, but also dance. And it's a way to invite community groups, community artists to perform, and also professional artists to perform and to uh, you know, engage with whoever is passing by at the time or uh, who's stopping to uh, listen for the whole performance. And this is basically accessible to any and all, and if they care to spend a few seconds, a few minutes, and sometimes they stay afterwards to interact with the artist, 
And again, it's an opportunity for engaging people. That's fascinating. Wow. Um, really getting people involved in the creation of art inside the hospital. That's, that's wonderful. What is some of the feedback that you've received from patients and their families about the effects not only of the art on the walls, but also the opportunity to participate in the art therapy? People will spontaneously report how enthused they were about you know, artwork. Very few people will say how it triggered negative emotions in them because they don't really like it. But it's good that people express, of course, these emotions. But through research, for example, I know Joanne's team has two survey studies. One is published, the other one is in the process of being published. And the first one was just a general study of people who had experienced the art in the building and showed a lot of positive feedback. And the next study, which is, you know, to basically uh, curate three different units of cardiothoracic surgery with different style of art, different genres. So one was abstract art, one was representational art, and then the other one was mixed. And so it couldn't really be randomized because people were obviously admitted to these units and we had no control over that. But basically, these very similar groups of patients were exposed to different mini collections of curated art on the walls. And then some of them were interviewed and there were in-depth interviews about what the art elicited in them. And it was a remarkable way to understand how art can really interact with someone and how it can bring about emotions. And we discovered that in every genre, there were people who were touched by a certain form of art. Sometimes you know, some of the art that is not necessarily immediately intelligible because we're not used to being exposed, for example, to abstract art, uh, people were actually intrigued and that made them think even more about what do I make of this piece of art? What does it generate in me? We rarely, if ever, got a, a negative feedback. So I think that that's the kind of you know, information that we can use then, continue the effort and, and target it the right way. As far as music and art therapy, there's an ongoing data collection. The entire healthcare system is moving towards outcomes data collection, and we wanted the art and music therapists to also follow that path. And there's ongoing, basically, measurements that are taken with every visit. So we now have thousands of visits where uh, we can measure the change in perception of pain, of mood, uh, of anxiety before and after the session. And also for people who are seen repeatedly to follow it across time. And we're just starting to look at the results and it's fascinating to see how it's not a 100% improvement, uh, but we plan to use their data again to increase the impact of the therapies, the positive impact. And we do have also research studies that look at more specific aspects of how the arts can, for example, change the way the brain activates, which is also fascinating. We, we were barely scratching the surface right now. I think we need to dig more into understanding how really art changes the way the human mind and the human body functions at very, very deep levels. Have there been any points at which patients or families have communicated to you or told you stories about how the art affected them personally while they were going through their healing process? Yes, we had a regional hospital where we had commissioned an artist, Catherine Obie, who's 
based in LA, but uh, originally hails from Sandusky, Ohio, and she captured the lake and the region over the course of the four seasons. And so there are 22 photographs that line this long corridor that you then head into this bed tower. And so there was a parent of a young infant who um, was there. The infant was in the NICU for four months and is doing great now, wonderfully healthy. But then it was rather touch and go. And so she visited pretty much every day, like four times a day, would go down into this long corridor and sit on the benches and spend time with the artwork. And it was a way for her to escape and really find something that was somewhat beautiful and sublime and life-affirming at the same time and give her hope. And what she kept thinking about was that she longed for that opportunity for her child to one day, you know, get healthy, grow up, and be able to share those images with her child. And so she actually reached out on her own to the artist and wrote her a beautiful letter about how the impact of the art and how it really helped save her and get her through those difficult times. And Kathy Obi, being such a wonderful artist, you know, communicate, was so taken aback, communicated with her, and then they corresponded, and she actually sent her one of the images, one of the photographs. Wow, that's so, so wonderful. Did, you know, there's wonderful stories, but I'm always amazed when patients actually don't even come to us in the art program in the Arts and Medicine Institute. They just go out on their own and research and contact an artist directly. That's wonderful. That's the ultimate showcase of the meaningful impact of this art and the relationships with the patients. I want to talk a little bit about both of your backgrounds. This is such an interesting field for you to have found yourself in as a career. Was there an educational program to become, you know, a hospital art curator, or are you blazing trails in this area? You know, there are more programs that have sort of popped up and affiliated with various universities and hospitals, but nothing that's really so much about curating art in a healthcare setting. It's more about the holistic overall approach of arts and medicine in general. So I think there's more emphasis still on art and music therapy. We have a robust performing arts program, and that's something that's also carried through in a lot of these other organizations, but not so much curating of art. And I think that's still because the jury's out for some. People are not 100% convinced necessarily about what the right art might be. So, you know, we think we are, and it's really working here for a long time, and I think we've sort of been pioneers in that way, but I think we've also inspired many other healthcare organizations to follow along. But I would say there's much more emphasis on the therapeutic arts than on the visual art component. And, you know, for myself, I come out of a non-traditional background in that I was curating and building art collections for corporations, foundations, and private collectors for a long time, so it wasn't about just healthcare. And I really thought about sort of what art might be appropriate in this setting that was appropriate for humanity in general. And it shouldn't necessarily be shoehorned to be so specific for healthcare on its own. Francois, how did you become involved in the program? So my first disclaimer is that I am not an artist. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I felt like a fraud almost, but I'm a rehab physician. So I've been trained mostly in the neurologic world to help design the rehabilitation plan and to apply some treatments to improve people's ability to function and quality of life, mostly when their brain or spinal cord has been damaged. And as part of my research activities, I became acquainted with a music therapist about 10 years ago who wanted to do research on how to help people with MS walk better by using rhythmic music. And that was kind of the start of my involvement with the Arts and Medicine Institute. And just grown since then, obviously. And then as I discovered more and more about 
how the arts can impact the way the brain functions, I became more and more fascinated and I wanted to be more involved. That's interesting. So you've worked closely with patients on the art therapy side of the equation. It's more the music therapy side. Mm -hmm. It's so fascinating. There's a branch of music therapy that's called neuromusic therapy and whose goal is solely to enhance how the nervous system functions, to facilitate movement, to facilitate language, to help people who are aphasic speak better, for example. It turns out that sometimes we can go around uh, areas that are damaged by using the arts. For example, it may be easier to sing a, a sentence than to say it. It improves how somebody walks if they walk to a rhythmic music, for example, and the rhythm is important, but the musical part is also important to it. And we found that actually the brain activation related to walking changes when people do that activity while exposed to rhythmic music. So it's really a whole host of possible interventions, but I've been more drawn to the those that pertain to music therapy. What are some of the feedback that you've gotten from patients about how this specific form of therapy has affected their recovery while they were at the Cleveland Clinic? I think almost universally we've had positive feedback in terms of how easy to use and engaging it is. I'm, I'm a strong proponent of medical treatments or interventions that are affordable, can be used by many, and since the technology now has allowed us to have music about everywhere and to not have just some music but a whole host of playlists and other music, it's a way to adapt this to a therapeutic purpose. Also, the motivational aspect of doing exercise and rehabilitation with music, which is very important, it drives positive emotions. And some people who may not have been looking forward to exercising now can look forward to it because there's a musical component. And also, generally, they reported greater benefits when they were doing, say, walking exercise with music versus without music. So generally, a very positive feedback. We're also compiling evidence on how objectively we can see a difference between basically doing motor training with music versus without music. I want to talk a little bit about the staff in the hospital. What did they have to say about the effects of the art that they see as well as the therapy for patients and how it affects them as they do their work? Definitely. And then there's really a lot of enthusiasm from caregivers about the art. So I, I mentioned before, you know, the effect of the art on the caregivers themselves. And, you know, some of them have commented about that. And they also are therapy groups that are open to caregivers to help also. We talk a lot about you know, caregiver burnout these days, and I think the arts can be a way to help people deal with this burnout and bring about positive emotions. But it's deeper than that. Nurses, physicians can actually order music and art therapy for their patients, and they do so. We really are struggling to meet the demands, basically, because there's a request for one-on-one art and music therapy uh, at the bedside, all over the hospital, basically. And we keep hiring new therapists, and it's still not enough to meet the demand. So they are really involved in literally you know, increasing the footprint of art and music therapy throughout the institution, and they always give positive feedback about this. I think it is very telling that the whole Arts and Medicine Institute is part of the Center for Design, which was recently created exactly for the purpose of designing not only buildings in healthcare, but designing the whole 
healthcare experience and some of the processes. And so that really highlights the vision that design can really encompass many aspects of healthcare and help us improve not only the experience, but the outcomes of healthcare. The building itself is a form of art as well. Yeah, and it's part of the healing process as well. Certainly. We're very thankful to Dr. Tom Mihalevich for his support of the Arts and Medicine Institute and many initiatives that we're undertaking. We wouldn't be able to exist and thrive without his support. He's also spearheaded efforts to collaborate with some of the major arts institutions in Cleveland. And as the CEO and president of the Cleveland Clinic, he is really terrific champion of the integration of the arts into healthcare. Well, Joanne Cohen, Francois Betu, thank you so much for joining us today. The idea of art as playing as a part of healing is really fascinating, and we appreciate you joining us to explain it and what you're doing at Cleveland Clinic. Thank you. I've very much enjoyed the discussion. Well, we're honored. And now it's time for our Tweak of the Week, Prevent Post-Holiday Letdown. We're in the thick of planning and anticipation now, but all too soon, the festive season will be over, and that could be a bummer. So to keep the January blues at bay, start planning something to look forward to now. It could be a meetup with a friend you just can't find time for right now, or a special night out with that special person. If you have kids, take the focus off of having to go back to school and put it on all the cool things they'll be doing next year. Thanks for joining us today. Hope you can tune in next time. Until then, keep up with WebMD on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Bye for now.